0: Sola Detroit. Ladies and gentlemen, the makers of Colono's toothpaste present Amal Elric, one of the most famous characters of American fiction and one of radio's most thrilling dramas. Tonight and every Tuesday
1: morning around 11 a.m. Eastern
0: wartime, the famous old investigator will take from his files and bring to us one of his most celebrated missing persons cases.
2: It's, ride ride my case. Case. it's gone. What are you What are you doing? Are you doing? Come on. That is not paid for
0: by them. Yeah, that is paid for by the people of
2: Detroit. <laughs> you ain't qualified, ML. I'm not qualified for this job. Let me tell you something. You want to go right now? Okay. You want to go right now? Hey, kids! It's your old pal ML Elric, wearing my green because it was just recently St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> oh, that's why you're wearing green. Uh, it's it kind of. I think I look good in green, and it's not easy being green, I've heard, but it's getting easier every March, or starting this March. Yeah, I was going to say. It's kind of bleak for a little while, a little dank for a little while. Isn't it
1: amazing how one year can
2: change all that? Well, it's, it's funny, and that's that's uh, our co-host and, and producer, Mark Fellhauer there. You I... will not hear the... Uh, the uh, the syrupy Southern drawl of Sean Windsor because he is at <laughs> he is. the, uh, Oh, there he is. It's <laughs> yep. That's kind of a, uh, accurate representation of his, his energy level at this portion of the show. Look, I think this looks like him here. Let's see. Go back. See. Go back to it, jumping hand
1: I mean, it's bald and it's not saying anything.
2: Yeah. And, and it has got kind of a frown.
1: What are you guys talking about? <laughs> All right, sorry. Uh, I'm screwing uh, around.
2: Uh, I'm a funny looking hand. I'm a small hand. Uh, I wish I. There is something wrong with this hand. That's the problem with it. It's uh, this hand has been in control for too long. Yeah, it's about time to pass the mic there, uh, Sean. But he he is on his way to a press conference with Mr. March, Thomas Izzo. And uh, and I don't know if we're going to hear him before the end of the show. So please stick around to find out. If you're watching us on YouTube, we really appreciate you subscribing to our YouTube channel, which is Soul of Detroit. We are trying to get going earlier these days. And as you know, when we start is always a bit of a question. But if you just subscribe to that YouTube channel and hit the bell for alerts, you will get a notification that we are going live. So no matter how flaky we are... You will never miss a show if you just take that simple step to subscribe and hit the bell for alerts. We are over 400 subscribers, not quite to Drew and Mike level. Uh, and I, does Adam Rich, are we past Adam Rich or is he not on I don't YouTube? I think he has a YouTube. That's just no. that's just Twitter?
1: I don't want to see that live stream right now either for Adam Rich.
2: Oh, is he destitute or? No, he's
1: dead. Oh. I think he died. Like, I think that's why Drew's been chasing him because he died recently and he has a lot of Twitter followers. He died recently. Yeah, all right. Boy, now you're... I hope I just didn't kill him. Let me double check.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember him as Adam from Eight Is Enough. Or no, what was his yeah, name? D- right? Died in died in uh, January. Nicholas. He was Nicholas. Nicholas. Aida's yeah, there, right? and yeah. I. It was just that was a show that I think was on Sunday nights. I used to watch it with my mom, and awful. I just always wanted to smack Nicholas. Nicholas. What?
1: Yeah, America's little brother.
2: <laughs> yeah, he was terrible. Yeah. So to me, America's little brother is Andy Jones from the Pot of Thunder podcast. So if you've never checked that out, they're ten years in. They uh, just celebrated their five hundredth show. Great show. He's America's little brother, and uh, very very funny show. But um, but no, Adam Rich, he just was always such a twerp, and it was. Yeah. It, he was one of those guys that whenever you'd see him on 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 the screen you always expect that music afterwards like wah, wah, yeah. or you're just like oh how cute he, he was comic relief yeah like oliver on uh, the brady bunch oh, god oliver was okay for a couple episodes but after a while it's like no stick with the sheepdog more charm more charisma
1: i do find eight is enough fascinating for what has happened to almost every actor on that show because a lot of them got involved in drugs um willie ames Remember Willie Ames? I knew that nothing good was going to come of Willie Huge Ames. coke.
2: Oh, really? Coke head. Christy um, McNichol's okay, though, right? She, yeah. Um, she, don't tell yeah. me Grant Goodeve was riding the white horse. <laughs> I don't know about that. Susan Richardson, though, I
1: think, went a little nut nutty.
2: Okay, Was she the older sister? I believe so, yeah. Okay, yeah. Dick Van Patten is just a tool. And who was the mom? Was it Joyce something? She had kind of that classic TV mom, harmless kind of... Not exactly a dingbat, but always expecting. Diana bring... Highland? Oh, maybe I don't remember. I don't but, know who that is. But she, uh, you know, she was kind of the one you'd expect to bring in cookies when something terrible happened. It's like, oh, I guess it's okay now.
1: And I got good news for you. Grant uh, Goodeve is uh, doing okay. Okay, Whew. still alive. No drugs, and uh, is very active in his Presbyterian church in Seattle. So there you go. It, there you go. He it's, went the wrong way with the eight is enough crowd.
2: Yeah, as as the uh, the oldest sibling in my cohort, I, I am glad to see that Grant Goodeve, like myself, has really blazed a trail for others to follow. Whether they lose their way or not is on them, but at least
1: and I don't want anyone to have s- a North Star. I don't want anyone to say that talking about eight is enough isn't good uh, time well spent.
2: Well, if you listen to us, it's time well spent because you know not to watch the show. It was some of the worst seventies pablum ever. If you like those goofy haircuts and bell bottoms, and uh, and Willie Ames is like the cool guy with the crazy hair that all the chicks Ugh. dig, and you know because he has all the coke. <laughs> yeah, I always confused. I mean, I knew they were different, but I always thought that that. Um, that Joe from uh, Facts of Life and Christy McNichol were kind of the same sort of character.
1: Oh, the, the tougher, the tough, broad kind of character? Yeah the, yeah, the tough,
2: kind of sassy, but everybody liked her, tomboy. Yeah. And, um, and the, got
1: well, ar- Artificial, you know, the artificial toughness, yeah.
2: Yeah, but, uh, but a real, a real doll. Mm-hmm. Um, what was her name? Uh, what was Joe's name?
1: The actress? Yeah. Are you really expect anybody to know. The actress's name from Joe from Facts of Life?
2: Yeah, because everybody knows her brother, Bateman. Jason Bateman. That wasn't, she was that wasn't Joe, Justine was Bateman.
1: Justine Bateman.
2: Are you sure about that? I think so. Yeah, not the hot one. That was... Uh, I'm looking
1: it up. Oh, the yeah. hot one was that Lisa uh, uh, Wetzel played Blair, right? Blair, that's right. Blair. Nancy yeah, no. McKeon played Joe.
2: Oh, Nancy McKeon. Okay, so Nancy McKeon... <laughs> Um, all over the place. Today. No, no, but Nancy McKeon, Hi. Christy McNichol, and uh, and Justine Bateman, to me, all interchangeable characters. It was a trope yes. that was in all of those shows. You had to have her always the one that had kind of the sneer, the best athlete, the guys liked her, the girls were kind of looked up to her, but she was sort of the tomboy, but, you know, ended up on all those posters you had on your on your wall in your bedroom. You know, once... Somebody saw the Fair Fawcett poster and either stole it or made you cover it up.
1: Bateman was got growing pain, or not growing pain, family ties.
2: Okay. And uh, who was the uh, woman from um, From uh, what you're talking about, Willis? She never quite filled the same role, I don't think.
1: Wait, well, that's another show that's cursed. Talking about different strokes? Yeah,
2: different strokes, yeah. Um, she never quite had that same sort of. Same sort of edge, but there's always the a character like mean? that. And Diana McKellar and uh, Danica McKellar, yeah. Yeah, Danica. She had that same sort of, you know, tomboy, but uh, but really cute and sassy sort of role. I, I mean, there's, those, those writers' rooms in LA, they, they, they're just they're awfully they're repetitive. Just, yeah, they're, yeah, they're just filling in blanks. It's like mad libs. Uh, Dana Plato. I don't know why I could Dana, not think of Dana Plato's name. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's uh, probably because you haven't seen a wanted poster
1: lately. Well, she's dead, right? She died. Oh, too. she dead? Okay. She died years ago. Another drug habit thing. Yeah. I,
2: I thought she got. Oh, no. Todd Bridges was the one on the wanted
1: poster. <laughs> Dana Plato's been dead since 1999.
2: Whew. Well, um, uh, uh.
1: <laughs> like,
2: my goodness. Um, uh, rest in peace, uh, Dana Plato. And. and and Todd Bridges amazingly is the only guy who's still alive.
1: I like, I like Todd Bridges. He's uh, made some mistakes and owned up to him.
2: Yeah, shooting a guy in the head's kind of
1: mistake. Yeah, you know, the crack will do that. Well,
2: crack is whack. Yeah. Well, uh somehow we're way off track. I know. I know. As always.
1: And Sean's not even here to bring us that dynamic content that moves us off track.
2: I know. This is this is that point where we look for that that voice of wisdom to try and nudge us back into the uh into the groove with the uh uh is it time for Cyrus yet? What did you guys
1: eat last night?
2: Oh, if you're watching us on YouTube, it looks like Sean is here. Um, <laughs> side of vicariously. Stupid. But um, but no, we 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 hope to have him back next week. Uh, crazy week last week. Uh, a lot of basketball. Michigan and Michigan State playing in the postseason. Um, and
1: that's what I was saying off the top about how one year can really change how you feel about uh, a program, right? Because... You know, Michigan State's back on top now, right? They're in another Sweet
2: Sixteen. What turns out, they're the class of the Big Ten. Believe it or not, they, they, the the Windsor Curse. We should probably just set the record <laughs> straight on the Windsor <laughs> Curse. He said that the Spartans and the, and the Wolverines looked like they were primed for a deep run in the postseason. Of course, he cursed the Wolverines, kind of made the Spartans tumble, but they recovered their stumble. They recovered their stride and survived. So maybe it's only. Half a Windsor curse, I'm not really sure. But, but you know, my man Dan Leach was putting something on social media like, uh, Yeah, it's the time for Izzo! I am you know, I'm, I'm just I love Izzo, but I just got to say, it. maybe it's time for Izzo to be gone! And I posted something about, you know, well, Juwan's not doing so well. And he's like, uh, they, uh, you know, you couldn't know, resist Why does it,
1: it always have to be a comparison?
2: Well, his whole thing was basically, you know, he's... Dan has been one of those guys, we've had a very cordial back and forth but now that Michigan seems to upper, have the upper hand he's in full arrogant ass mode and so when he Am starts calling way? out Izzo are you? No, 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 no no. you're you you you're pretty even Steven on this stuff. You have almost that classic Michigan I know we're really good but I don't think we're as good as we are well, so still, I don't want to celebrate still. too much until it's completely over so I don't yeah. feel embarrassed. That <laughs> which, maybe means ne-
1: which means I never thoroughly enjoy the good times Exactly, exactly That's, okay. That's my life in general
2: Schaefer the same way with Ohio State. They'll be favored by like 15 touchdowns. Like, Hey, you want to go to the games? Like, I don't really want to go to the game with you. Cause in case it loses, I'll, we lose, I'll be very upset. I'm like, you're favored by a hundred points and yeah. you worry about every week, your nuts are tight. And like, it must suck to have a dominant team that you can never really enjoy because you're worried that they won't be flawless. Yeah. I'd much rather hope for a miracle than just worry about losing the keys to heaven which are in my pocket and tied to my wrist.
1: But this idea that Izzo needs to go that that guy's going to go out on his own terms whenever he's ready to do it.
2: Yeah, and and I'll Period. give I'll give I'll give Leach a little a little grace because he he is a sports commentator, but I I'm, I'm really not big on one side predicting doom for the other side's coach. It's just, it's like, just, you know,
0: well, stick just, with your team. Sports but sports
2: bagger, you
1: know, gas baggery where you have to say something.
2: Yeah, well, he, and he earlier this season when we had the tunnel incident, he posted oh. something where I said, well, let's wait and see how the investigation plays out. Within like days, he says, that take didn't age very well. And I wanted to go back on his page and say, that Izzo tweet didn't <laughs> age very well, but I'm not going to do that because... Uh, you just did. Because I'm I'm a bigger man than Dan, uh, height wise, width wise, he's got me beat. <laughs> when, that's uh, not a shot; it's just it's volume. When do they play again? I mean, on uh, Thursday. In fact, I was just talking to uh, a teammate of mine after our volleyball game yesterday, and we we're trying to plot how we're going to get to Madison Square Garden on you Saturday. You're going. I'm considering it with uh, if they have a late start, we could get up early Thursday, uh, Friday, uh, Saturday. Just sort of jet throw it all the way through to the game, crash, and then come back the next day. But it looks like there's some round trip flights for maybe he may have had the dates wrong, but like around two hundred bucks, and that almost seems worth it if you can work out. Trans- oh, I
1: would if you can take the time, you pay anything to go see your team play.
2: Yeah, and and the whole thing is when you when you put in gas and tolls and parking your car in New York. Yeah. You know, you're up to 200 bucks right there. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm not ruling it. Of course, they have to win on Thursday against Kansas, Kansas State. State yeah. And a former colleague of mine at Fox 2, Jay Dillon, great guy, went to Kansas State, and he continues to maintain. Uh, we are the premier land-grant universe. I'm like, no, no, Michigan State is the no, premier land-grant. State, State. Well, chronologically, Dylan, Michigan State. Son
0: of a bitch. <laughs>
2: Is the first one, but uh, there's something where maybe Kansas state opened a day. It's one of those things that,
1: you know, I mean, it's like, this is is what I simultaneously love and hate about college arguing is because who gives a shit about which is the better land grant. But then again, it's uh, it's kind of a dumb thing. That's fun to argue about. Yeah, who it's cares? like
2: who was the better guard? Uh uh Boykins or uh or Spud Webb? You know, it's like they're both five seven, neither one's going in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Why are we even talking about this? They really did well for what they had, but uh, you know, nobody forgot Magic Johnson because Earl Boykins could dunk. Sure. Or Spud I guess Spud could dunk. Maybe Boykins could too, I don't know. I
1: don't think he could, but anyway. Well,
2: be that as it may, but uh, Muggsy
1: Bogues was the best out of those.
2: Monksy well, was pretty sweet, man. Although there's some there's some show I keep seeing promoted for uh, Chang can dunk or something about some Asian kid who's trying to learn how to slam dunk because some bully in his high school challenged him to something. And it feels like a thin premise so, to build a show I, around. I
1: bet you anything, it's based on a true story.
2: Maybe. Do you remember when Mitch Album was learning how to dunk when he first got to Detroit? He wrote a column about. Taking lessons on how to dunk a basketball because he's vertically challenged.
1: That's ridiculous! What a stupid premise.
2: I mean, it's kind of cool if somebody can teach you how to dunk regardless of what your height is. I don't remember whether he was able he to ever, pull it off. Did he ever now. learn? No. But that was ba- that was back when Mitch did kind of a lot of uh, you know uh, dare me don type stuff where he did a lot of adventures and um, and different experiences and wrote about them which was was kind of cool.
1: Well, I remember he threw a golf ball or something uh, at the Scottish or uh, the British Open. At, oh, like, did he? Yeah. Which is like, okay. Wow, it's,
2: is that Celtic pride? What was I, don't, that? I don't. I don't know.
1: Anyway. Geez. Well. What we, did you write about this week?
2: Well, before we hype my <laughs> my tribe, let let's say a few tripe. words for the people who make this show possible. That would be Luke Nowacki of Pinnacle Wealth Strategies. And David Hall of Hall Financial, both gentlemen have businesses that will save you a lot of money. Luke Nowacki will prepare you for retirement. He'll help you make some decisions today that will pay deep dividends tomorrow, and and you don't have to worry about it. And David Hall will help you get a good deal if you're buying a house, if you're refinancing, if you need to get some cash out of your house. In a few minutes, we'll tell you how you can take advantage of those deals, and you can always find links to their websites on our websites and I'm I'm very happy that the Cadu Cafe is back as a sponsor of the show. It is the place to go on the East Side for live music, for great food, and for very unique entertainment. Uh, they have feather bowling, one of the few places in the United States where you can feather bowl. But if you want to play, as in play music, there's an open jam on Monday. <laughs> if you want to sing, there's karaoke on Tuesday. Uh, Blue Thursday, uh, Blues Jam, live music throughout the weekend. They are serving their full menu until midnight, except on Sunday when the kitchen closes at 10 o'clock. But if you want to have a great time on the east side, maybe you'll see me there because we had a great time there on St. Patrick's Day. And beyond, and on Sunday, too, we kind of put a lot of time in at the old Caju Cafe. You can find out more about who's playing, what's going on, and check out their menu at cajucafe.com. If you're not Belgian, let me help you out. It's C-A-D-I-U-X, cafe, C-A-F-E, dot com.
1: You know, I was always told uh, growing up that I was Belgian. Like, that's where my ancestors came over. Oh, I could see Fellhauer, Sure. Well, that's a, there's a whole adopted part with the last name, so keep that out of here. But then I did the whole 23 and me, Belgian at all. Totally ruined it. So Char, uh, my daughter, was has to do this project on countries. And so we're like, well, let's do Belgian. I'm like, oh, wait a second. Let's look at the 23 and me." Now I'm just, I'm boring English. That's all I am. 100% English? English? Uh, it's like 50 English and then 40 Swiss and 10 French, which boring.
2: Well, that makes sense because when we first started the show, and I would try and link you to our social media post, it was some guy in Switzerland named Mark (laughs) Fellhauer. He's like, I am not on your show. That's
1: funny. I'm friends with him on Facebook. Oh, really? Yeah, he's uh, Asian. Mark Fellhauer spells it the same way, and he lives in Switzerland. Great guy.
2: Damn, could you get him to send us some chocolate or some watches? No, no, because I don't know him really at all. We're just friends on Facebook. Maybe some gold he shouldn't have. We could repatriate it.
1: No. Well, oh, okay. Is that was a World War Two Nazi? That's, a Swiss, theft reference. Swiss, that, that's oh, the Swiss. That's what the Swiss are yeah.
2: known for. You got you got chocolate. Yeah. You got watches. Other well, banks
1: are doing great today.
2: And you anymore. got uh, yeah,
1: are they? Well, I mean, what was it? So, uh, Credit Suisse uh, was in a little trouble, but U.S.B. bailed them out. I think someone else bailed them out too, so they'll be fine. Oh, good. I love that. You know, everyone's freaking out about banking. It's really a fun environment to live in.
2: Well, I like that the everyone's banks are bailing each other out this time because last time, you know, we went deep into the well. And then they just paid themselves yeah. bonuses.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, they, it's funny because the lending, you know, there, there's a short uh, lending window that the Fed is, you know, the, the lender of the last resort, the federal government, the Fed bank. And they opened a special window for everybody to borrow on these banks. And all I'm sitting there going, well, they're just going to use the money they would use their deposits anyway. They're not going to save it to back up uh, any, kind of, any kind of run on their bank.
2: Yeah, no, I, and I don't understand why the government was trying to bail out that uh, Silicon Valley bank. Well, y- you max out at $250,000 through FDIC. If you got more cash in the bank than that, shame on you. You should invest it or put it in bonds or something. That's, that's a gamble you took, and why the hell am I subsidizing somebody who has more than $250,000 in the bank? I, I agree with that to a point. I mean, there's a lot of
1: businesses that run their, you know, you got to pay your employees. So if you have a lot of cash flow going through there, you might have more than two fifty right? And it was a really bad banking decision by the heads of that bank to not leverage and buy these long-term bonds. So I, I really have no problem with, you know, the FDIC backing up those and saying, hey, you know what? Shareholders, you're the ones that are fucked because there's never a guarantee when you buy equity.
2: Well, that's fine with me. If the shareholders take
1: it on the chin, that's... that's- well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the gamble of, of, the, of the market in general. Right. That, but- there is no There is no safety there.
2: And I guess if it is just liquid, like businesses putting money in there that Which is most... going to be distributed to employees, that's fine. But if you're a millionaire and you're sitting on millions and millions of dollars in the bank, well, then, you then know, you're an idiot. Shame on you. Yeah, I'm not. I don't want to bail your ass out. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's funny. Where I, were you when I overdrew my check for the power company?
1: I used to always, laugh, I used to always laugh. At there's a person I know who had a lot of money and put it in bunch of different bank accounts and maxed it out at the 250 did not want to go over that because they were fearful of a bank collapse and they wanted to make sure every deposit that they had so they had 10 different bank accounts I'm like that's a lot of money just to be sitting in savings have
2: but, they ever considered sponsoring a podcast
1: uh no okay Well, <laughs> which is why they which is why they have money they don't want to yeah. waste it
2: well, but of course if you sponsor this podcast, our customers, our a listeners become your customers yeah. and you, you you tap into a very loyal and dedicated consumer base who also happen to be very erudite in terms of how they spend their leisure time. This is uh this is select listening premier options here. This isn't just some, some pap that Whatever we throw you want to tell out yourself. Here. Yeah, I'm running out of adjectives, but, um, <laughs> but you know, we're, we're talking about billionaires and bailouts and rich people and all this stuff. City council today is expected to vote on this district Detroit deal oh God, and and the free press had an editorial, uh, over the weekend, basically saying Illiches, you don't keep your promises city council, you're probably going to prove it. So how about this time you keep your promises, which seems like the, The common attitude of, boy, I really hope that somebody does the right thing this time, even though they have a track record of not doing the right thing. And this city council, you know, I I wrote about how I was disappointed that Mayor Duggan didn't step up and say, I'll make sure that they keep their word. I think that would have really gone a long way to giving people some reassurance that these guys might have to live up to their promises because Duggan is notorious for being a taskmaster. If if you talk to anybody who's worked for him, Hmm. if you go into his office and you don't have an answer to a question that he asked and that he asked you to get before you came back in his office, you are going to get chewed on pretty hard. And if it happens on a regular basis, you ain't going to be coming into his office to do anything other than say, thanks for the opportunity. Would you mind giving me a reference letter? At least not telling my next employer what a bum I was. But no response. I heard nothing back from the mayor's office after I basically called them out and said, mm. "You look like you're in the pocket of the billionaires. You know you look like you do some pretty tight business with the Maroons and that you're really happy to let the Illiches get away with it and they were yeah, they're not
1: going to respond to that. Why would they respond to that Why well, I mean, if you want to be challenged,
2: you call me a punk I'm going to say the hell I am you know i'm yeah. I'm, I'm going to come back at you and I think the volume is is very very uh, very loud in this case, and but that that's what
1: annoys me about it because the, the you know they had they had those community meetings and the feedback on it was was pretty loud and negative. Like, don't do this deal, right? Or or, or have some guarantees that if they don't do what they say they're going to do, claw them back. And so they pushed the vote back, and then it's just going to pass today.
2: Yeah, well, they is have. Is there these- any
1: is there any chance that it won't pass?
2: Oh sure, there's a chance you really of Really think so? Oh, absolutely. And what they'll do is they'll say, "No, we need to do more research. We need to hear more." And they've put, already done that, though. But here's what they do: they put it off, they put it off, so they, and then forgets. they and then they vote for it anyway. Yeah, you know, it's all it's all uh, kabuki theater, yeah, you know, with costumes and puppets, and it's just it's just a waste of our time. It's it's what they did with the with the uh, with the Gilbert sixty million dollar. Uh, tax break. Yeah. You know, they, they were prepared the, the to more, vote re, the on it. The recent
1: one, right? The Hudson's. Uh, yeah. The really
2: Hudson's cool. block uh, until myself and a couple of colleagues at the free press pointed out how much money they'd accepted in campaign contributions from Illich. Then they stalled for like a month or more. And after being ready to vote for it, they said, Oh, we need to learn more about it. It's like, well, if you need to learn more about it, how could you possibly have been ready to vote for it? And in the end, two of the people who had recommended the deal, Ended up voting against it, even though it was actually a much better deal because Gilbert had to put more things on the table for the city, and and I give Duggan some credit there because I think he's the one who told Gilbert, "Man, if you want this thing to go through, you better put some sweeteners in that deal," and um, you know if if City Council is trying to leverage something, I guess we'll see. But but there is this community benefits thing where when you want Mm. subsidies from the city, you have to meet with these neighborhood advisory committees or councils who tell you what they want. You have to listen to them and provide them with a plan that they'll find suitable. Like some of the things, I went to one of the meetings they were talking about. You know, if you're going to build these really expensive places in this high rent district and you're going to let people who have less money live there, the parking is going to wipe out whatever they save on (laughs) rent. So you have to find a way to subsidize parking. And we want you to have a fund to support, uh, minority entrepreneurs in the neighborhood. We want you to partner with them to try and bring, um, equity to all businesses there and give opportunities. And there's some interesting things that are in there. And I think when you hear the Illiches and Olympia development and, and Steven Ross say, well, we put $50 million in community benefits there. You know, when you're asking us for $800 million,
1: it's a and dropping the bucket,
2: yeah, and and even the loans that you're getting are low interest loans that are forgivable. You know, that's that's really not that much to ask for. And and who's going to enforce it? That's the other thing: is who's really going to hold their feet to the fire? Who can? Well, the mayor and the city council, you know, and in theory, some state officials who deal with uh, some of these these things. But I think most of the time, once a deal is approved. They just move on to the next one. Yeah. There just seems to be this attitude that we have to support rich people with their projects. And I don't know that anybody really understands the leverage that we have. All this land that the Illiches and Ross want to build on, they own. So if we say, sorry, that's that's not a good deal for us, what are they going to do? Build it somewhere else? No, they're not. No. They've already got their arena there. They built their business school. They've got their world headquarters there. They are going to build their one-way or another, and I'm not saying it's not a good project. I don't know one way or the other whether it's a good project. More office space downtown doesn't seem like the way to go. More residences downtown, maybe. But if people aren't working downtown, I mean, I, and this whole notion of well, you know, we're gonna we're gonna bring people downtown and they're gonna pay taxes and we're gonna get to keep the taxes for a while, but nobody loses because they wouldn't be paying those taxes if they didn't live there. Well, when they move from Royal Oak or Ferndale or Huntington sure, Woods but, yeah. or Mount Clemens or Warren, they were paying those taxes there, and now they're not going to pay them when they live, or they're going to pay them to you, to you developers, when they live in your development. So there is a loss to the what if, state. What if
1: you worked or lived in a different part of the city, right, and you're paying the, the property taxes? Yeah, tax exactly. The, yeah.
2: I so, want to move downtown. There's a loss. And yeah. Duggan and, uh, and, and in, in his state of the city basically gave a wink to everybody in Detroit and say, hey, they're going to get $400 million, but it's not coming from us. It's coming from the state of Michigan because it's sales taxes and income taxes that aren't going to be paid to the state because because Illich gets to keep them for building this development. But that's exactly the point. People are moving there from elsewhere in Michigan. The population of Michigan is not growing. It is shrinking. So these folks who are moving into that area, the property, the the sales taxes and the income taxes that they're not going to pay to the state that they're going to pay to the Illich's instead for the next 30 years, that is money that would have gone into the state coffers. And that is money that everybody in the state relies on to provide services or potentially to provide a tax cut. So this notion that, uh, that somebody else huh. is going to pay $400 million, no, we are somebody else. Now, I think I like that deal better than the last deal we gave uh, Illich for District Detroit But the notion that this is painless, when have you ever seen somebody come up with $400 million that was painless? $400 million hurts. $400 Mm hurts. So I just, I don't don't buy that, man. I just don't buy that at all.
1: I just wish there'd be a little more diversity of, uh, and it's really (laughs) stupid to say, but diversity of investors in the city because it always just seems to be the same two or three people.
2: Well, and one reason why is because they hoard the land. Yeah. I mean, the Illiches compiled that land over 15 years. And so when they're buying it, that keeps somebody else from developing it. But when they're it's ready
1: to go- quite brilliant in a way. And
2: they've got- Yeah, and, and Maroon too. They, yeah, they're Maroon. very smart about accumulating land. And then when they're ready to go, they've got the land- Or when somebody else is ready to go and they've got the land underneath them, they can cut a sweet deal and say, well, we'll trade you this land that you need for land that we really want. I mean, land... Is there's only so much of it. They're
1: not making more of it. Yeah, that's I mean, the old saying.
2: and as and as a global warming they are. raises <laughs> the shores, well, I mean, I mean but could but yeah, <laughs> when 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 uh, when Florida's underwater, well, there'll be less land and yeah. it'll be even more valuable. In fact, the way things are going, I may end up having lakefront property, so that's pretty cool. I just,
1: <laughs> where, I just you, where you live, yeah, yeah. I
2: just hope it doesn't come up from my basement this time. <laughs> but but land is great. If you own land, I mean, that's one of the things in Detroit that I think. The real rich people and the really smart people have realized that a lot of us are just kind of like, "Oh shit, they buy this land when nobody else needs it, and when nobody else wants it, they pay nothing for it mm-hmm. and then they wait until they can really cash in and it's you know it it's it's brilliant, but it's sort of the rich man's game, like if you really want to invest in a bank, last week was the the week to invest in a the bank, they all went down fifty percent. But if you're invested in the bank with some money you can't afford to lose and they go down another 50%, you're screwed.
1: Yeah, you can never time it right.
2: But the rich folks, like, well, whatever, it goes down 50%. I save that, it for another 10 off. years <laughs> Yeah, because, uh, because I don't need the money. Or, yeah, if it goes belly up, it becomes a loss against my other profits. So it really is... A rich man's world and it has been for a long time and it's it's well, to, only getting worse to
1: that point am i am i being too cynical because you're talking about the community benefits pack that they had to figure out am i too cynical and thinking that so oh, some of these groups are just figuring this is going to pass so let's get a piece of what we can get a piece of
2: you know i i don't i don't think that the the people who serve on the the uh neighborhood advisory council there's a direct line where they're going to benefit. I think where they benefit is there'll be an investment in their community, which might help them. Or if they own property, if they own a home, their property values may go up. That doesn't feel to me uh, nefarious in the same way that if I support them, you know, building a a great restaurant down the street for me, more people might want to live in my house because they can walk to a great restaurant. But, um, but of course, you know, if you just want to build a restaurant, the city doesn't help you out. They don't don't give you a subsidy. If you're actually doing what, you know, the the people who work, who create jobs in this country more than anybody else in this city in particular are small businesses and they very rarely get any help. They very rarely get any help with infrastructure. They very rarely get any help with raising capital. Um, So, so to me, if we've got $800 million to splash around Hmm. to create businesses, Let's put that in a fund and create businesses throughout the city. I mean, and if, oh, well, they won't all succeed. Some will fail. Sure. Great. Well, the Ilches aren't promising to build all 10 of those buildings. They'll say, we'll build them as it makes sense. And uh,
1: not to mention it's office space, right? So
2: some will be, some will be residential and, and they can change the mix depending on, you know, how they see the market and, and in fairness to them, I should say that the $800 million, they won't get all of it up front. They only get some of the money as they start to build stuff, mainly because it's a tax capture deal. They get sales taxes on the construction materials and they get income tax from the people who work there and live there. So if you don't build it and they don't come, they don't generate any taxes and you don't get any of the money. So I kind of do like this better than the last deal they had, Mm -hmm. but I'd feel a lot better about this deal If they'd done everything they said they were going to do last time, and I'd feel even better if they didn't try telling us, no, we did everything we were required to do last time. And that's why you should do us another deal. Because if you feel what we have today is what you promised us before, and you're promising you're going to do just as well by us the next time, that just feels like you're going to disappoint us twice. Hmm. And I'm not really big on getting fooled twice. I figure the second time's on me.
1: One of the other things that kind of, that I saw that kind of floated under the radar with this whole district Detroit and the city council, do you see what Mary Sheffield proposed um, to the Illiches?
2: No, what was that?
1: A 2% uh, ticket surcharge to events at LCA, which, okay, now that's just
2: people going to the games paying that in. That's not them paying it in. That's true, but you may remember from way back in the Tiger Stadium days, there was like a dollar surcharge on every ticket that went to the city of Detroit because- the city owned Tiger Stadium and basically let the Illiches and the Monahans and and the Fetzers before that um, use the facility, and that was a way for the uh, that was a way for the venue to contribute to the city's bottom line. I don't have a problem with that. I mean, look how many people are getting a vig on every ticket we buy there anyway between I know, Ticketmaster I know. and Live Nation, and I mean. You know, so two percent. Yeah, it's fine. Make it, make it, make it a dime. Make it a quarter. Make it, make it a way to fund recreation in the city. Create a recreation fund where every nickel that you put on a surcharge goes into a fund. You know, I mean, these guys raise the tickets when the team's no good. (laughs) <laughs> why shouldn't they raise the tickets to try and do some good in the city? I, I, I actually think that's one of the smarter plans I've seen come out of city council and that's uh, the bar is low, mm-hmm. but um, but I think that's a move in the right direction. And, and I'm surprised that the Illiches or somebody hasn't offered that as a bit of a incentive. Now, of course that may be something they're holding in their back pocket. Cause I'm sure they understand at some point they may have to put a little more on the table, but that's, I mean, that's an easy one for them, right? Are you not going to go see the Red Wings because it's 50 cents more? Are you going to skip the Tigers because it costs you an extra dollar? If you're going, you're going. You're already getting bled. Yeah. So why not put another drop of blood in the, in the tray? And just
1: It's just a roundabout way of getting more money to them, right? Because then it just go and then you pay it, and then it goes back into the city that's giving them the, eight, or no, that's the 800 million comes from the state, right?
2: Well, the, the not all of it, but the biggest chunk of it, like six hundred million dollars, yeah. is supposed to come from sales taxes and income taxes. Once again, it just feels
1: like a shell game. <laughs>
2: right? Well, but but if you if you put a surcharge on the tickets, that goes directly to the city. I mean that that feels pretty good to me. I I think hmm. uh, you know, in the way the law is set up, the downtown development authority or DDA, whatever they call it, there's a they capture taxes that can only be used to help downtown. Um, so this notion of we're going to collect a certain kind of tax that can only be spent a certain kind of way, you know, that there's precedent for that. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I mean, we have a utility tax that's supposed to, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of taxes on there that are, are dedicated and assigned to different purposes that are considered to be in the public good. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm. I mean, the damn lottery. It's a tax on the poor to sure. support education. I just, I don't get it. You got the poorest people in the state paying to support education. Yeah, but once
1: again, that's a choice. So, kind of like the two percent would be a choice. Yeah, you don't have to play. You don't have to play the lottery.
2: Yeah, no, and, and that's fine. And that's that's why that's why I'm not marching on the state house with a sure. ban the yeah, no lottery thing yeah. because a fool and his money is going to be parted at the casino. Online gambling or like all vice taxes, yeah. But yeah, and and we were talking before the show about you know we should just do a straight up consumption tax, make food and clothing tax free. You got to eat, you got to wear clothes, so you're good there. Mm. But if you uh, you know if you want to buy a yacht, you should pay through the nose. And then the yacht industry will say, "Oh, but people can't afford to buy yachts, so we need to subsidize the yacht industry because we're not selling. <laughs> yeah. We need to save American jobs so we can build yachts in America. So we need a big tax break. So I mean, it all just kind of, uh, you know, you 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 plug one hole and then another one. Uh, open.
1: That's what's so funny. Last week with um, Elliot Hall, you know, he took great pride in the work he did for Ford as a lobbyist, and I'm saying, yeah. which I understand that was his job. And in my head, I'm like." This is kind of the problem. You have all three lobbyists going up there and really are the ones that are crafting these laws.
2: Oh, yeah. No, and Elliot, great guest. If you missed last week's show, he was talking about his role in protecting some witnesses in a massacre back in 1967. Fascinating man. He talked about talking some Black Panthers out of an armed standoff with Detroit police back in the late 60s, early 70s. At the time, his partner was Dennis Archer, who would later become mayor. He talked about knowing presidents and ambassadors, but one of the things he said was how, you know, yeah, the big three, we would get together, and you know, it wasn't collusion. We'd talk to them uh, was in, price in Washington yeah. about yeah how things needed to work, and you know, we got some stuff done. And
1: but the access he alluded to is just like, oh wow, okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is we all know this goes on, but then hearing it directly, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of frustrating.
2: Yeah, it was a very telling moment of candor where he's mm-hmm. basically saying. So here's what happened. The big 3 got to Washington and we sat some people down and we all agreed what we wanted to happen and we told them what we wanted to happen and what he didn't say in the end was whether it did happen, but I think if you went back and reviewed your history, you'd find out that it damn well did happen or came pretty close yeah. or or more likely things that the feds wanted to happen didn't happen, you know, and I'm sure there was a lot of uh, a lot of steaks and champagne and and brown liquor that were swilled during those meetings, but, um, but that's America, folks.
1: Well, and a better example of uh, this is last week with Barney Frank, right after the collapse of 2008. Uh, is it Dodd-Frank? Dodd-Frank, it put, put yeah. The new, the new rules on the bank, and you had to have capital to back it up. And then he went to work for a bank, Signature Bank, which had to be taken over by the government. And while he was there, he lobbied to loosen some of the rules of the law that he wrote.
2: Is that what happened to Barney Frank?
1: Yeah, he he was on the board of signature, Ugh. and while he was there working on the board and collecting a nice hefty paycheck, he's like, "No, oh, maybe we should loosen up some of these restrictions." It's like, okay, that's just just how it works. You go, you go get elected, and then you go become a lobbyist and work against everything that you claim you were working for. It's just so, it's so broken.
2: Well, and it's it's so. It's so obvious that this is the way it works. You know that there are yeah. people who, and it'll who, never change. Who pull the levers, and uh, if you spend enough time as one of the levers, that gets pulled. Eventually, you get to be one of the people who pull the levers, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it is a it is a a symbiotic relationship that is unholy, and it's never going to change. It's just just not going to change. Um, but uh, but one thing I'm hoping will change is. Corruption, public corruption. I was in court last week uh, for Tony Morocco, finally was sentenced. You may have read my column saying that the feds were giving him a break because they just wanted to get this case off the boards. They wanted to get their conviction and they wanted to move on to other things. I guess we'll find out, depending on who gets charged next, what they were in such a hurry to get on But Morocco got a real sweetheart deal. It was looking like he might not end up having to do any time His lawyer, Steve Fishman, went nuts in court, basically scared the judge who thought he was, you know, pushing both sides on the deal they had cut. Looked like it was going to fall apart. Once again, just like city council, everybody chilled out for two weeks. Nothing really changed or two months. Then they came back and they went through it. Morocco was sentenced to three months in federal prison, so wow. with, with good time, he'll be out in 77 days.
1: Now, what, what charges was he facing, and what how many years was he facing before the deal was made? Yeah,
2: so originally he was chasing, uh, facing four charges, and um, one of them was extortion, and I think he ended up pleading guilty to attempted extortion. And the maximum on these was somewhere around 20 or 25 years. And attempted extortion, as I understand it, also has a hefty... Maximum sentence. But one of the things about is the feds use a formula and you plug in numbers. And because he only attempted to extort thousands of dollars from a contractor who he wanted to buy tickets to a fundraiser. When you put that small number into the formula, you get very low sentencing guidelines. And of course, he has no prior. So that always helps. And so he he cut a deal where he was looking at something like 10 to 16 months in federal prison But his lawyer was saying, he's an old man. He's sick. He really needs to stay at home. And the feds like, well, no, we think he's, you know, he's, he's not that sick. And, um, in the end he got three months, two years of home confinement, which means no internet, no nothing. Now, Tony, as I understand it, has a couple of pretty nice houses. One of them's in Florida. One of them's in Ray township and his lawyer said, well, can he at least do his home confinement in, in Florida? That's where, uh, that's where his grandkids are and everything, and that's and the judge said he's going to be spending his winters in Michigan now. So that's how he kind of, as I put it in the paper, he, ooh, ooh. He, he hit him with a ton of feathers because,
1: yeah.
2: as somebody pointed out, yeah, a ton of feathers is still a ton, but a ton of bricks when they fall, they get there real fast and they're heavy. A ton of feathers just kind of floats down on top of you, and it doesn't quite feel as uh, as brutal as that. And they also hit him with a $50,000 fine when he had cut his deal called for no restitution. So I don't think, uh, I don't think Tony appreciated that, but but there's, I
1: was going to say your column was interesting though. The angle you took was about the guy who worked for him and just, here's a guy that's working in Macomb County who sees this stuff and doesn't feel comfortable with it. Right. So he saves everything. And what happens? He gets fired right before he's vested in the pension.
2: Yeah. And he goes to the feds and he went to me too. Fucking
1: bullshit.
2: Yeah, well, you know the thing is when you go to these bureaus, you try the, to do the right thing and you end up getting boned in the end. Well, and and he also he also had uh, an issue where he would go to agents who just kept turning over. You know, it's it's you kind of get to know somebody and you develop a relationship and then they move on, they get a promotion, they get a transfer, whatever, and then you start from scratch and that's what happened to Gene Shabath. He was a longtime reporter who became deputy public works commissioner he would go to the local fbi office and he'd he'd hand everything over and then that agent would leave and he'd have to start over and he gave up on anything ever happening finally morocco is charged and he's like all right already and then he gets three months and he feels like wow for 10 years i tried to do what i could to help get tony morocco locked up for all the things that he should have been locked up for and he gets Three months and he has to stay in his house for two years.
1: You know, that doesn't not terribly punitive for twenty three years. Why of, would that stop anybody in the future?
2: Yeah, twenty three years of crooked deals and he gets three months in club fed. I mean, doesn't sound that bad to me. Uh, probably going to lose some weight. And
1: I was maybe, reading the uh, comments underneath your column. Oh, oh, geez. No, they're all they were all amazingly positive. Okay. which is very very rare. Um So very few people for you to fight with. But there's one person who's very upset. That uh, because he's Italian, he gets connected to the mafia.
2: Well, that was a connection that his lawyer made. His lawyer <laughs> said everybody thinks he's like John Gotti, Gotti without, you know, the yeah. know, without the violence. Yeah, without the violence. But, um, but I don't know. Many,
1: it, many uh, ML and many like him in the media are so comfortable connecting Italian culture, Bambino, Nano in a story. Hey ML, next time uh, no, the next Jewish crook story, make sure you
2: reference. <laughs> okay. So nano means grandpa in Italian, yeah. or that's a nickname in Italian for grandfather. You know, if he was Greek, I would have said, so they could go see Papu, you know? Who cares,
0: so, yeah, right? I mean, so,
1: so that's the only negative uh, response.
2: Okay. Not bad. Well it's, he's, done. He's st- still mad about losing Columbus Day, I guess, you know, happy Natives People's Day. That's
1: Everyone's got a beef, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, you know how many Irish jokes there are? You know, let's get over it. Um <laughs> It ain't that big a deal in the end, but uh, yes, no. I oh, no, that's for that person. I, yes, Tony Morocco went to prison because he was a crook, not because he was Italian. Italian yeah. So, and I don't know—is Morocco an Italian name? Is, couldn't it be Moroccan? I don't know. You're way—that's that's, way over my head now. See, that's what I mean. We just don't know. We don't know. It's—it's it's so easy to Sean. Offend. What
1: do you think? Good, re- good response,
2: Sean. Yeah, Sean's like, it, It's about times about, <laughs> but I do want to defend the billionaires. I, it's always interesting to hear Sean defend. The uh, the the billionaire. I know.
1: Giveaway. I know. Man of the people. Sean Windsor. Yeah.
2: I think you just anybody who's picked on. You don't like progress. He, he rallies that's to their the defense. Point. That's right. Yeah. It's like
1: <laughs> I love picking on him when he's not here, but yeah. it's just uh, it's way more fun picking on him when he is here, though. Yeah, that slow Don
2: had a beautiful head of hair. I wish I had a head of hair like that. I think maybe he's his work in Serbia was misunderstood. It's like no, he was he was a butcher. He was a bad guy. Sorry, that's no. No two ways about that. Um, I was listening to uh, to Drew and Mike the other day, and you guys were talking about the Jay Morant interview. With, ja, yeah, mm-hmm. with um, with uh, Jalen Rose, Jalen Rose, and 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 Eli had a great point about how you know when he was in the media, you would never be in a commercial with an athlete as a member of the media. Now you've got. Terry's take Terry's money, and you got Jim Nance helping to sell. Or is, is it Jim Nance? One of these guys. Nance
1: has a clothing line and ties and a winery. And,
2: who's yeah. the guy who does the subway commercials with those guys now?
1: Oh boy, I don't know. Nance has been in some ATT commercials though. Yeah, and I don't they, know if he is this year, but I, he has in the past.
2: Yeah, and there's somebody who's like, "Ooh, that's a big sandwich," and all this other crap. It's Nance. Yeah, yeah the, the the lines between the media and the athletes are are so are so blurred now that. Mm-hmm. I don't think the, the sports media, the national sports media, is ever going to ask a tough question to these athletes because they're afraid they won't be invited to the next commercial, yeah. which is very well, lucrative to them.
1: Or you're just going to get cut off. I mean, an athlete, really, it's very easy for them to get a message out now with social media. It's almost like they don't, they don't need the traditional media. So what happens if they don't like something? They just get cut off. Your access is done.
2: Well, remember when Chad Curtis told Jim Gray, you know, we didn't like yeah. the way that you treated Pete Rose, so we all decided we're not going to talk to you. And he says that on camera after the World Series. I'm like, what an asshole. What happened to Chad Curtis? <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> that, in that's, jail? that's one of those guys who left the Tigers. We're not like, oh boy, I wish we had Chad Curtis yeah. back. But sorry, sorry, bit player on a World Championship team. You know, at least Jim your, Gray oh, has
1: man. made a nice comeback thanks to a Tom Brady, right? Because well, do the podcast with Tom.
2: Yeah, and he also was. Uh, also, hyping up LeBron when he was going to. So, I mean, he did the decision. Yeah. Jim Gray learned if you bite the hand, you will not be fed. So, he decided to lick it. But it's gotten so bad that we don't even have like stooge media people interviewing celebrities. We have celebrities interviewing celebrities. Yeah. And they're just never going to ask the hard questions partly because they don't know what they are, partly because they've made the same mistakes themselves, and partly because I think they also don't want the hot shots of the day not to take their phone calls because their whole cachet to their network and their employers is, oh, I can get this guy to talk to me because we're boys. That's my guy. That's somebody I used to play with or, you know, I can speak the same language. And it just, to me, the national sports, Me, unless you're watching the game, don't tune in early and don't oh, stay God. late because it's all just...
1: except. There there is one group of guys I will do that for. But I, I like the NBA, but you we, we get to see him this time of the year too. Is I really like hearing Charles Barkley talk about it because he'll pull no punches. He'll say, You're being stupid or whatever. Um and Kenny too. And I, I like hearing those guys talk about, you know, certain issues going on. And that's what that's what needs to happen. Eventually you're gonna find players calling out other players. I think Patrick Beverly actually spoke and said, Hey, ja, this this whole culture of of rap and violence, this is not something you wanna be directly associated with because this is the kind of shit that happens. I, I, I don't know how to get those how you would get the message out to the athletes that are doing this kind of thing other than their contemporaries.
2: I guess so. But I, I think And most- I don't like
1: blaming things on any cultural aspect, you know, and I mean there's been there's been different corners of culture that have been bad for decades, right? I you know, remember the whole Satanism aspect in the oh, '80s, right. right? Yeah, yeah, um,
2: yeah no, but I, I just think that that the value of these shows has has become diminished because we don't app. we don't really have any. I mean, it's a ham show, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it used to be you had uh, you had a sports anchor, you might have. Uh, an ex-player as an analyst or a color guy, you'd have like Jimmy the Greek or somebody who would analyze the games. And and now it's, it's basically an MC with a bunch of ex-jocks and ex-coaches hamming it up and slapping each other's back and standing on some carpet and throwing fake touchdowns. And it's just become this, this clown show that brings very little value to those of us who just want to know what's going on in the game or why something happened or why something didn't happen. And, I, I, ugh, I just, w- when you guys were talking about that, I, I, I was, I want to stand up and cheer because I see very little value to that kind of stuff. And at some point, this, the pendulum may swing where there's so many jocks in line to sniff new jocks yeah. that the people who hire them will say, well, we're only looking for the jocks who are going to ask the hard questions. If you're ready to be that who, guy, who is we it? got a I job mean, for you.
1: Yeah. There's, good luck finding that person.
2: No, well, and the other thing is, once they do, then you know, then all the sharks turn in on them, and they they carve them up to pieces, and they try and knock them off that chair so they can go sit in. It's pretty, it's 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 pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty shitty, if you ask me.
1: I agree. You know, it's not shitty.
2: Uh, saving money, yeah, planning for the future. Actually, exactly what I was going to say It was
1: saving money.
2: What's so obvious?
1: <laughs> uh, housing inventories on the rise. You want to get ahead of that competition because once spring hits in full power and summer hits, people are going to be buying houses because that's the time. Especially because I feel like people have been holding back because of interest rates, and you know that'll loosen up because people will want to move. And if you're one of those people, why? Don't you call Hall Financial right now. Check out their Buy Smart program. It can give you up to $2,500 towards your down payment. You can get pre approved the same day with the most credible pre approval in the industry. That's Hall Financial's five star certified pre approval. Um, Hall Financial, also have that major network of realtors, too, that'll help you find that house. So whether you're looking to purchase a new home or just even refinance your current home, call Hall Financial first, 866 call Hall, or chat with them online at callhallfirst.com.
2: I wish the Illich's would call Hall. I think he's too busy <laughs> saving homeowners money, but I mean, 2500 that that would go a long way. Down. I mean, they
1: save money by calling city council. So oh, well, with all the money you do make saving from Hall, why not let Luke see what that money can do from you, for you? Um, you're going to have Goals for your finances now, goals for your finances in the future. Luke will look at it and lay out a plan. He's got a whole team at Pinnacle Wealth Strategies. Give him a call, 248-663-4748. It's a free consultation. I'll say, this is how much money you have. Uh, this is what we can do. We can put it here. We can move it here. Um, just if you want to be safe, if you want to be aggressive, Luke can do it all. 248-663-4748. He'll even talk to you about um, NCAA, NCAA March Madness, too.
2: Damn, so, Huge. He loves it. So don't, don't go to the Silicon Valley Bank. Call Luke, because when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart.
1: Oh, man, the geeks. That was the wrong one. Went
0: to oh. hit this. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Member FINRA/SIPC. Royal Alliance Associates Inc. is separately owned and other entities and marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates Inc. Oh man, the geeks have
2: inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork! Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek, or we're turning into cool guys? Hey, before we get to our Geek of the Week, uh, big shout out to Don, JC, and Elise Cookie who are watching us on Facebook. We we hope you're watching us on YouTube as well. Please subscribe to our channel. It really does help us. Uh, all you got to do it cost you nothing. You just subscribe to Soul of Detroit. Hit alert click the little bell and you'll always know when we go live and live music is the subject of this week's geek of the week because the cure as you know one of the one mm-hmm. of the iconic new wave bands of all times and robert smith one of the more iconoclastic front men uh great guy very very thoughtful. Very much the everyman when people were all worried about, oh, the queen is gone. I was like, yeah, whatever, man. you know I'm not into queens. Very, <laughs> very, uh, very down-to-earth guy for an international members, pop star.
1: Members of the uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And he gave one of the best interviews as he was going into the Hall of Fame that night. Here's the, the interview.
2: Congratulations, the Cure Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees 2019. Are you as excited as I am?
0: Um, by the sounds of it, no.
2: <laughs> I, love it. I think that's great classic classic robert smith and in fact I, I a buddy of mine was working as a bartender at the white horse pub in earl's court in london and he was uh, one of many foreign nationals who were working there for the summer and he was working there with a guy from south africa and i swear he told me a story that this guy from south africa was walking around london And he ran into Robert Smith and he said, you're Robert Smith. (laughs) And he said, let's get a coffee. And they went to like a Dunkin Donuts in London and sat down and had a coffee. And I always thought that is the Robert Smith that I, I want to know. That is just what a great story this. And I asked him, like twenty five years later, he said, I don't remember that at all. <laughs> so I don't know if I made that up somehow or if I read it somewhere. I, I don't think I did, but that's kind of the regular Robert Smith that I envision. And uh, and when they when the Cure is touring, this is a, a big tour. This is going to be epic. I think it's their first time touring the United States in something like fifteen years. They intentionally wanted to keep prices affordable, so they resisted doing the dynamic pricing that that pissed off fans of bruce springsteen and taylor swift where when demand goes up prices go up it's meant to beat the scalpers but really all it does is it bleeds fans and so the cure said you know what we're just going to sell them for what they sell for and we'll pass up all those profits because we want to try and keep the ticket Mm -hmm. prices low come to find out there were people who bought some of the lower price tickets which probably still were not super cheap they were paying more in ticketmaster fees than they were for their ticket to the show ticketmaster of course is shameless it's damn near monopoly and they have no conscience whatsoever but so the cure there went were, there was bad. one
1: screenshot by the way that a, a person put out there they bought four tickets that were $20 tickets and their total charge was $172
2: yeah So for those of you that don't have a calculator at home or an abacus, that means $80 worth of tickets that they paid $92 worth of fees. And by the way, some of those fees, if you look at it, are called convenience fees. Yeah. So you don't have to print the tickets. You don't have to mail me the tickets. And it's convenient to me. Why? Because I have to get your app. I have to make sure that I have a signal when I go in the door with the phone. I can't transfer. I can't use a (laughs) screen grab. That does not feel convenient to me. And then there's a service fee, and then there's a facility fee. Why don't you just yeah? Why don't you just say I'm jamming it up your ass for ten bucks for the privilege of going to this show? You're gonna suck the pipe, you know. And just just be honest with us for for the for the, the the usury fees that you put on there. Anyways, I understand Ticketmaster has rolled back some of the fees, but for trying to get away with it again and again and again, Ticketmaster, you're my Geek of the Week. Oh, what happened? There's an all-night party. There's There's it is. An
0: all-night party. And I didn't notice anything. I'd rather,
1: I'd rather you sing it.
0: La 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 late you can dance together night the time.
2: Well, room seven six oh nine is the place where you go to find great new wave bands performing songs that you didn't know that they performed and say to yourself oh my god they're even better than i thought or where we have some songs you've never heard before and say i need to check some out some more of this band's catalog well the cure is on the tip of our tongue <laughs> the head on the door we are playing one of the more obscure tracks here it's called the upstairs room it's from the electronic period of the cure a little upbeat poppier sound But check out the upstairs room from The Cure, this week's guest in room 7609. really don't need to tell you that that's the cure i mean (laughs) that voice is so distinctive but but if you get past the voice the guitar playing really is a signature of robert smith and and people think of him as as the front man of the cure kind of a a godfather of goth although i i always i'm always reluctant to put him in the goth coffin because he is so upbeat even even you know his sort of melancholy songs have a have a jauntiness to them. but he was also the lead guitarist for Susie and the Banshee from 1982 to 1984 kind of a I guess essentially a side project because he was still running the cure at that time but his his he I had no idea I didn't know that his virtuosity as a as a guitar player is is sorely sorely under uh because that voice and his lyricism and his songwriting and his uh, makeup and the makeup which is (laughs) it's just weird because if you see early pictures of robert smith very handsome man got kind of the, the cleft chin um you know short kind of spiky hair but not a lot of pancake makeup and then as he progresses you know the hair gets bigger the face gets whiter, the lips get redder, you know. The open collar shirt with the uh, jeans and the uh, and the big uh, high high top sneakers unlaced un, uh, and uh, with the tongue sticking out became like a uniform and was a very distinctive and kind of a cool look. But as he's getting older, <laughs> he just sort of looks almost a little. Yeah, I don't want to say clownish but oh, I, yeah. I i just kind of feel like you know cure uh, uh, uh no not cure but but the uh, kiss felt like they could take the makeup <laughs> off right and yeah. if kiss well, feels like they can take the well. makeup off well and, when, and maybe that's now it's why
1: back on, now it's back on it's yeah maybe, may- i mean it's kind of the calling card now for them
2: i guess so i guess so Although, you know
1: the the Beatles didn't wear mop tops forever
2: <laughs> no no that's true too but uh um, Metallica cut their hair yeah, and that, that was very controversial if you recall. Yeah. Oh yeah. But they kept they kept so
1: much so much of music shredding. it's so. ridiculous how much of music is based on an image.
2: But yeah, I, I but, don't but it's the whole package. I don't understand why uh why he's still doing that. Unless he you know, he doesn't strike me as someone who feels like he has to do things. No. Oh, I think no. it's something he wants to do. And maybe that's one of those connections that he has because it's always felt to me. Like the Cure was a band that really connected with people who felt disconnected, who felt maybe a little on their own, that might be hanging out there um, as an individual who felt excluded or apart from the mainstream, and and maybe that's his way of saying, "I know you're still out there, and I'm still with you." I I, I don't know. That's something I that's something I think I'm going to do a little research on because um, I just I just think he's a really cool dude. Interesting
1: guy. in that band, you know, one of the things I appreciate about the Cure is you know, it's secure. Oh I mean, yeah. That, that's the sound. When you hear it, you know, it's them. Um, and there's very few imitators, and they were influential. I mean, I know the smashing pumpkins were very influenced by them. Uh, Trent Reznor too. Cause I think Trent Reznor, um, speaking of their hall of fame, I think he inducted them. I should look that up. Okay. But, yeah.
2: Well, and Robert Smith is the one, the one consistent member of the cure, so you'd expect there to be sort of a through line there. Mm-hmm. But the thing about the cure is, I never feel like it's it's trite or played out or hacky. And this song is from 1983, and here's what Wakelet has to say about it: It's from their short-lived, more electronic period just after the departure of bassist Simon Gallup, which saw Robert Smith and Lal Talhurst operating largely as a duo. It's from the singles album, Japanese Whispers. The upstairs room has still got that famous eerie cure sound, but with a dancier drum machine driven vibe. And I think that that's really right on. I mean, it it does it it does have that sort of that sort of aloof um feeling to it, but it's still it still kind of cheers me up. even when I hear some of the darkest stuff like <laughs> Charlotte Sometimes or Trees. It makes me happy. I don't know what it is. Maybe that is what The Cure is. Does
1: Friday I'm in Love make you happy?
2: It does not make me happy. What? There's the exception. <laughs> I do not like I knew, that I knew song. That's
1: why I purposely brought it up. At all. It's, it's probably their best known song, and you hate
2: it? You hate it because it's cool? It's like I was walking through the Japanese cool garden, and you jumped out at me with a samurai sword. No, I, it just feels to me like it's a, a gratuitously poppy song. Like, okay, love song. I would compare Phenomenal. to uh, to REM's "Losing My Religion" or something, where you feel like here is this band that they know they have pure pop gold. This is just going to be everybody's going to love it, and and maybe they want to have all those gold records because who wouldn't? But I still love "Love Song" and, and it got me out of a jam one time. But but but, uh-huh. right? Fr- 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 well, I I was I was <laughs> Can you tell uh, that story with 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 pronouns. There was a, there was a party at my house and, um, an ex-girlfriend of mine came to the party and we were upstairs in my room talking and that's all we were doing was talking. And we were up there for a while and she left. And then my girlfriend at the time came into the room and she was kind of upset. And so that made me upset. So I just, you know, I had the CD player where you could just repeat one song. Uh-huh. So I just put love song on there and it it repeated oh. like twenty times or something, like, and it, that got me off the hook. But you know, things didn't work out. Sounds anyway. sounds
1: like you should be in an '80s movie. It sounds like an '80s movie thing.
2: I could hold the boombox over my head. <laughs> yeah, I've got anything. the trench coat, <laughs> but but this is mainstream mana. But I still love it. But Friday, I'm in love. Just it just seems it just seems out of character. It, it's it's it, it's I you know what it is. It's too happy. Well, but that's the thing. Robert Smith, when you hear him talk, he's been married to the same woman since 1988. I mean, he seems to be a very s- stable, solid guy. He is not basking in misery. But that just seems to me to be... Robert Smith is not that happy. I don't see him... No.
1: <laughs> ML is actually wincing right now at the sound being played. Yeah. It's not a bad song.
2: <laughs> it's yeah. not a bad song. It, it feels like somebody love, else wrote it for him.
1: Finding your opinions on pop culture, they're fascinating to me. Oh,
2: man. but but They're very strongly held opinions, too. Well, music means a lot, you know? You, oh, I know. You, it's like being in a relationship. If a band lets you down, you feel kind of betrayed because that's the power of it. You feel like... They're playing it for you, and that's why people dedicate songs to people. That's why people make mixtapes way back when, and now I guess they make playlists mm-hmm. because it's a way that we can connect. It's a mass medium, but it's so personal to us. Yep. Um, and I still love The Cure. Believe me, Friday I'm in love. You know, I, I'm giving them. That's that's they can have that. It's not going I'm not gonna let it get between us. But um, but if I do go to the show, I know I'm going to hear it, and I know I'm gonna. <laughs> I may go stand in line for a beer. Which will also be marked up. and
1: You know, plenty of space.
2: Maybe I'll be paying an extra 2% for that that tax if it goes through. But we love your suggestions from Room 7609. We are going to be getting into a little motif that I suggested way back when of pop songs or more mainstream songs that have either sampled or have are very derivative ah, okay. of new wave tunes. So that's going to be coming up. Uh, later this month, but please keep your suggestions coming. You can send them to mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. You can also donate to us if you go to our website, which is mlsoulofdetroit.com. Only one donor this week, the reliable Bryant. So we oh, appreciate yes. that Thank support. You, he uh, keeps us going. Um, and uh, and you can... You can help us, too. Uh, we do have some feedback, and that feedback was also sent to us at Detroit at gmail.com. Um, actually, I should correct myself. We don't really have any feedback. We um, we did get an email that said, get this guy on the show. And oh. it was the uh, murderer Sean Windsor. So, <laughs> we, we have neither the murderer Sean Windsor or the real Sean Windsor. J-Flo posted to... Uh, this may have been to Twitter with the picture Sean Windsor, and it describes him as a American man convicted of killing <laughs> his estranged wife. Uh, of course, our Sean Windsor loves and cherishes his wife and everybody in his family
1: so uh, i like the idea of uh, getting the real murderer sean windsor on and then you can get the uh, asian mark fellhauer in switzerland
2: oh they can shit! can they
1: can do a show together
2: unfortunately there's so only, they have a
1: lot in common
2: there's only one nml elric so i guess i'd have to host that uh, hybrid show but i i'm willing to spend some time with with the watchmaker there's got to be another michael elric time. somewhere well there's a british actor named michael l fick that's who, uh, not the same
1: thing, but nice try.
2: But he was in a, a movie with uh, the, the, um, uh, the, it was the craze with the two brothers from Spandau Ballet. I can't remember their names. Oh, um, oh God, we've talked about this before, Emily. Yes, the um, Kemp brothers.
1: Yes, yep.
2: He's in, the, he's in a movie with the Kemp brothers where the Krays go to, they're drafted into the military, and they're in the barracks because they're in the stockade because they've punched their sergeant because they want to go home and have tea with their mum, And Michael Elphick looks at him and says uh, that they can make a lot of money because people will scare, be scared of them. And he says, uh, he says I don't know what it is about you boys, but you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> and Michael Elphick, great actor, no relation.
1: There's a, there's a lawyer named Michael Elric, so you guys would have a lot in common.
2: Oh, God. I hope he's not a slip and fall guy.
1: Uh, I can't tell.
2: Don't answer if he is. I don't. <laughs> don't, don't want to know. I don't want to know. But so uh, the only other, f- <laughs> the only other feedback we got this week, and I'm, I'll just tell you, I'm going to decline the invitation. But I got something. That says the Illuminati is an elite organization that bestows on its members wealth, power, and fame, and its teachings are beneficial to the world and knowledgeable to its followers. And there are certain hmm. benefits entitled to new members of the Illuminati, like one million dollars U.S. cash as a welcome, a personal house, and an official car. What? Would you love to be a member? That's how they get. That's how
1: they get members of the, in the Illuminati.
2: I don't know. That's what Doctor Aenor uh, asked me. I'm trying to see if it means something backwards. Roni He? No. but uh, So yeah, Dr. A. E. Enor is asking me if I'd like to join the Illuminati. Sign Sean up. All I can say is, how do you know I'm not already a member? There you go. But for those of you listening, I'm going to decline this most generous information. So please, get back to us with an email. At gmail.com. Uh Sean is not with us today because he had a press conference as we speak with Tom Izzo. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully learning the keys to victory and not cursing them. Um, we uh, look forward to having Sean rejoin us next week. And uh, Mark, unless you got anything else, I think that's no, good. I think that kind of puts a it. bow on it. So until next week, we appreciate you listening to us. Please check out our back issues. Elliot Hall last week, great interview. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Rate us, even if you hate us. And Cyrus. Until next week, we turn to you to take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?
0: <laughs> you have just been listening to, to ML Solid Detroit. Now on the air at a new time. Every Tuesday morning around 11 a.m. Eastern wartime over this network. Don't miss Mr. next Tuesday when the kind of the old tracer turns to the case of the missing witness. And now, one closing thought. Many of you listening in have signed the Home Front Pledge, a pledge made by 15 million Americans in the past year to pay no more than top legal prices and accept no ration goods without ration points. If all of us will do these two simple things, we will soon wipe out the black market, cut down the cost of living, and ensure a fair share of food for the wives and families of our fighting men and millions of others living on fixed incomes. This is Mark Fowler Saying goodnight For the makers of Kalano's Toothpaste And Mr. Kamau (laughs) Alvarez